This episode is supported by Amethix Technologies. Amethix is an independent lab that builds solutions for your business. We provide advanced analytics solutions in domains like healthcare, pharmaceuticals, finance, the energy sector, insurance, and many more. With Amethix, you have a business partner committed to delivering more than just software. We deliver the outcome you care about, which is data-driven decision support. If your business is all about data and machine learning or AI, give us a call. Amethix.com. That's A-M-E-T-H-I-X.com. All right, let's do this. How are you data scientists and engineers? How are you business people? What's up nerds? Did you grasp that thing you were studying? This is Data Science at Home, the podcast about machine learning, artificial intelligence, and more good stuff. I am Francesco. I'll be your host for the next 30 minutes. So grab a cup of coffee and join me as we learn more about the topics we love most. Hello, hello, this is Francesco. I'll be your host for the next 30 minutes. And in this episode, I'm gonna conclude that really tiny series about MLOps. It's really on the hype now, and uh, I would like to clarify, indeed, that's what I'm doing for the last two episodes. So if you haven't done that already, uh, just go to datascienceathome.com and uh, listen to the previous episodes about MLOps, and then come back to this last episode that is going to conclude and tell you what's good, what's bad, and what's ugly about MLOps. <laughs> so MLOps is definitely something that is um, extremely important to know and extremely important to adopt in your organization. Uh, I'm going to refer to organizations that are, uh, you know, the majority out there, not just the big players, but organizations that deal with data or data-related products and services. And they are not necessarily massive organizations, but just, you know, organizations that are usually referred to like SMEs, right? Small, medium enterprises. So what are the, the promises of MLOps for businesses? Well, there are very good promises, of course, and uh, very good goals. Uh, but as always, um, goals and or objectives and uh, facts or the way we get there, uh, you know, are usually two different stories. Definitely, MLOps wants to reduce the time to market of uh, uh, machine learning or AI-driven products or, or services. And this is important because uh, AI and ML, machine learning, are constantly moving, are very dynamic fields, and it becomes more and more you know, kind of a paradox that th these things should be easier, while in fact they are getting more and more complicated to reduce time to market, for example even when there are even more tools than we had a few years ago. And I'm even referring to like the ecosystem of five years ago, which is not that long. The second objective is definitely having higher quality predictions. And, um, and this is something that uh, we have seen already due to the, uh, you know, the evolution of data science and machine learning and many findings and insights from uh, academia, but also from uh, research and development labs, independent labs that have contributed to, uh, you know, build the tools and also um, advocating new machine learning models or new way to pre-process data, to clean data, or to uh, uh, create features and so on and so forth. 
definitely another objective is to uh, enhance user experience um, because data is a dynamic beast, is a dynamic monster. It keeps changing. And of course, when data changes, predictions change. And models have to adapt to that change in an almost real, real-time fashion. So that experience you would like to have be reflected in the way that is analyzed. And so also that is something that MLOps is definitely or wants to help with. And finally, the uh, ability of you know creating that kind of decoupling between data scientists and engineers, some sort of separation of concerns when it comes to um, you know what the data scientists should know or how the data scientists should contribute to the project and how, for example, the data engineer uh, should be contributing instead. And on this last point, to be honest with you, I don't really, I don't fully agree. Um, and I will explain why in the next few minutes. As the title of this episode, MLOps, the good, the bad, and the ugly, I made a list of um, what I consider good parts of MLOps, some bad parts, uh, not so many actually, uh, but the ugly parts are, in my opinion, quite a few, and we should pay attention to that. So let's start from the good parts. Usually you start from the ugly news, but here we start from the good parts. Well, definitely the purpose of MLOps is to rationalize many of the processes that are already in place uh, and that should be controlled by both engineers and data scientists. And when I say both, I really mean engineers and data scientists together, right? Uh, I will get back to this point in uh, in a minute, but there should not be that separation of concern. And that's already one of the, uh, you know, objectives of MLOps, uh, I I do not fully agree with. So MLOps helps rationalizing on these processes. Also, MLOps, in my opinion, requires, it kind of demands or obliges you to have that mixed figure in the team, right? So MLOps is a reincarnation of DevOps, an evolved uh, data scientist as well, is also part of the MLOps team. And in my opinion, the concept of DevOps was and still is too much unbalanced towards engineering. So today we should, you know, really think of engineering as an evolved form of engineering, that is, uh, as well as an evolved form of data scientists. So the two figures are, are kind of, you know, blurring or, or, or mixing up, right, into one. And that's very important, in my opinion, because these folks are the folks you don't have to explain, for example, what that machine learning model black box is, um, because they understand what it is, they understand the complexity that is hidden behind, and they can make the right decision when it comes to engineering uh, to serve, for example, that particular black box. This didn't happen a few years ago. We had literally two different figures. The third good part of MLOps is that there are more and more tools and platforms that are coming out and of course they're getting more and more mature which means that it's much easier with respect to a few years ago to you know integrate these existing tools in your infrastructure or in your platform if you have one or just in your organization right it's it's much easier because these tools are more mature it's easier to configure these things and to just get started using them Another good thing, and I consider a good thing, though many will disagree, is that MLOps still needs to be defined in a formal way or in a much more, you know, defined way, how can I say, in, 
in a strict way, right? This is kind of normal because many other aspects of machine learning are still evolving as we speak, even though machine learning is in the space for, you know, we know probably 20 years or so. And still there has been a boom in the last 10 years. And you would expect that after 10 years, we would get to some kind of equilibrium or plateau where things are very well defined. Well, that's not the case. That's not the case, definitely not with MLOps. And that's a good thing in my opinion, because this is the time to, let's say, pave the way and define these standards whenever possible. The last good thing of MLOps is that, in my opinion, it is more tangible than AI, ML alone, especially for business. So when you consider artificial intelligence and machine learning, if you take them as they are, you know, you read a paper, you download the paper from archive. If you're lucky, you find some code. If you're even luckier, you find some data that have generated these nice benchmarks. And you see that, for example, that model is uh, improving on 0. Point something percent with respect to its own, its previous version or another version built by another research team, right? That's what happens in academia. You know, I'm oversimplifying here, but that's that's exactly what happens, right? You cannot publish something because that wouldn't be that wouldn't have that impact if it doesn't improve on something else that already exists. And we end up doing you know these micro improvements on something that it becomes more and more difficult to to see in a commercial environment, right? So business and academia are two different stories and two different worlds, in fact. And in my opinion, MLOps is definitely more tangible than AI and ML because it allows you to serve AI and ML in the context of business and not in the context of research. With this, of course, I'm not saying that research is bad. I was, I've been a researcher myself for quite a long time, but I'm saying that we don't have to mix up the two things because the two worlds are actually not compatible. Of course, don't get confused when I speak about when you when you see research labs at Google and Facebook, because these are exceptions rather than the rule. The regular businesses that have to generate revenue definitely do not look at research the same with the same eyes. Facebook, Google, Netflix and, and Uber look at research, right? So let's move to the bad parts. Now, the bad parts is that and this is kind of a repetition, <laughs> there are no standards. So that's a good thing and that's a bad thing. Bad thing is because, well, everybody can do whatever it wants. And also usually who's going to define these standards, who is, is usually those who are into a prominent position uh, with a lot more visibility with respect to the others. And so they would define standards that probably are good for themselves and not for the, the rest of the ecosystem or the world. And, uh, and so that's a bad thing. If we think about lack of standards in that way, I think that's a bad thing. Another bad thing is that with the lack of standards, there's a consequence that people try to build standard solutions just by observing at the other businesses. And that's also wrong. I've seen this many times. I'm the director of Amethyx Technologies. My company is dealing with clients from different domains. I've seen this happening a number of times, like clients that want solutions that really resemble the ones from their competitors or from the big ones, just because, you know, they feel more comfortable and say, hey, if they are using that, why shouldn't I? And uh, well, our answer to that is that any solution is very business specific and should be tailored to be easily covered 
by standard products, but should not be a standard procedure or a standard practice. Hey folks, if building software is your passion, you'll have ThoughtWorks Technology Podcast. It's a podcast for techies by techies. Their team of experienced technologists take a deep dive into a tech topic that's piqued their interest. It could be how machine learning is being used in astrophysics or maybe how to succeed at continuous delivery. They're always coming across fascinating ways technology is advancing and love to share what they learn. Whatever the topic, the discussions are always lively, informative, and opinionated. The team of co-hosts are experienced technologists from across ThoughtWorks and include ThoughtWorks CTO Dr. Rebecca Parsons and renowned writer and speaker Neil Ford. Each episode of the podcast features a guest or two to talk about their particular passion and areas of expertise. Past guests have included eminent technologists like Martin Fowler, Mark Richards, Dana Boyd and many others. If you like this show, I think you should give ThoughtWorks Technology Podcast a try. To find out more, just search for ThoughtWorks Technology Podcast on your podcast platform of choice. And of course, make sure you subscribe. We are moving to the ugly part that uh, I want to connect with what I just said. You know, the, the lack of standard as a consequence, searching for standards in a way that is, in my opinion, wrong. And the, the ugly part is that, well, machine learning is definitely dominated by, you know, the usual suspects. Google, Facebook, Apple, Netflix, Twitter, Uber, etc. And so this doesn't mean that following their strategies and also using the same tools will make yours a successful business too. Actually, quite the opposite, because those players, those big players, um, usually are dealing with overcomplicated scenarios because that's what their business looks like. And in fact, their business is complicated because you know, they, they cannot choose scalability. They have to pretend scalability because otherwise they would stop functioning, right? You cannot go with a so-and-so solution for scalability because they would just crash. They would just fail. Your business, 90 plus percent of the times, is not that critical in terms of scalability, for example. Um, and so there are some decisions that you have to take accordingly. Uh, which, of course, are less tedious, less expensive, and more efficient for your particular business. So, as I said, there is no standard in machine learning. So how can it be that there are standards in MLOps as well? (laughs) Um, Many internal tools are very specific to the circumstances of the big players. And definitely, well, most of the time, they are not transferable to different contexts. That's why, and that's exactly what we do at Amatix, we focus on creating custom solutions, right? With machine learning and MLOps. These are solutions that are not only efficient as the ones, of course, of the big players, but they are tailored to your particular business. And that's very important. That is a point, that is an ugly point that we've seen repeated over and over again. Another dilemma that I found in small and large organizations I've been dealing with with Amatix is building or buying. And this is like uh, the dilemma that that is consuming managers, CEOs, CTOs. What would I do? Would I buy something that is already out there? Or would I just build it from scratch? Because, you know, I have a bunch of engineers who are rolling their thumbs on my desks. I, I just put them to work. Well, that's not an easy question that you are answering or you're trying to answer. Because 
Even modest-sized organizations have usually more engineers than data scientists because that's the regular ecosystem. That's what the business is asking for. A data scientist can be definitely serving a team of multiple engineers. We have seen this happening even you know, regardless of the size of the business. Due to the fact that data scientists don't have to uh, iterate as fast or as uh, frequently as an engineer who is dealing with you know day-to-day APIs that are flowing data or or creating data or connecting data coming from IoT devices and blah 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 right the fact is that the very large players like the ones that I mentioned already uh, usually prefer to build a solution and that's kind of the better strategy at least so far but there might be confounding factors there why is that so Uh, for example my speculation is that the big players usually have a research lab in which of course they are doing research on cutting-edge problem that affect their own business and of course they are building the tools that as a solution to these uh, challenges that they have but they only have then what happens is that these solutions are out there maybe open source the community starts contributing on their on their tools and then what happens is that these tools become part of of the ecosystem so that all other organizations say huh maybe i can use that too not paying attention to the fact that that tool has been created in a particular scenario and to fulfill the requirements of a particular business that doesn't usually doesn't generalize as much Another ugly problem that I've seen is that data scientists are left alone in front of the Jupyter notebook and we expect they do magic with with AI and they productize their solutions on their own. That's also a very wrong statement and a very wrong expectation from these people because data scientists have never been trained, except for the, the rock stars, of course, but they have never been trained to that level of engineering. With this said, what should we do? Well, in my opinion, we should start really treating machine learning like any other software development cycle. Because it is, you know, producing a machine learning solution and um, uh, integrating in the rest of the production system or make it production ready is exactly the same problem as producing whatever software as a black box and productionizing it as as the rest right so it's exactly the same why should we or why are we separating the two in fact for the last 10 to 15 years uh, people have been thinking of machine learning solutions as different animals from regular software and also the development cycle that has uh, you know that has affected machine learning solutions has started diverging from the regular software development cycle which in my opinion is wrong Software is software, after all. So what are the the steps that one should um, follow? I'm not saying to succeed 100%, that, you know, I don't have a a crystal ball, of course, but definitely to uh, mitigate the issues that might might arise during the process. Well, definitely, you want to start from the business problem. And that's something that we keep saying at Amatix. Start from the business problem, not from the research problem, because... At the end of the day or or the quarter or the year, what you have to respond for is revenue, 
right? Is number of users connected to your platform, is number of subscriptions, is whatever KPI you're observing that generates money. I don't want to sound cynical, but that's what business is. Business is business, it's not research, otherwise it's called research, right? So start from the business problem. The second thing is identify the set of skills that can deliver a solution to that problem. And this is something extremely important. Many clients at Amethyx have succeeded because we told them that they didn't have a data problem, which sounds weird. Like they didn't have a machine learning problem and so they didn't need a machine learning solution. This was identified at the very beginning of the project. Even when you spend more time on that part, it's fine because that's going to help you saving a lot of time and a lot of resources, a lot of money as well. So understanding that you have a machine learning problem means that you are going to search for a machine learning solution. Only when you understand that it's time to think of the necessary skills to deliver such a solution, not before. I don't want to oversimplify here, but I'm, I'm sure that you're not going to call a plumber if, if nothing is leaking at your place, right? <laughs> so that's exactly what should happen at the beginning of the project. Once you've identified the problem and you have um, identified also some sort of team structure and the skills to deliver that solution, it's time to build an MVP or a proof of concept that clarifies a lot of the implementation details that you could not think of so far. And so once you have this MVP solution, you get to, you know, to the branch. Should I buy or should I build? Remember, MVP doesn't mean that you can run into production systems, right? That's MVP, minimal viable product, right? It's something that you investigated, you didn't spend too much time, you probably burned one month, that's fine because that month allowed you to understand a lot of the dynamics that you couldn't capture before or without an MVP. And so what happens now is that you have to decide, do you want to buy something or do you want to invest time and resources in building it? And you can do that only now, only after that MVP is in your hands, because only then you understand if there is a solution out there already or if you have to build one. You cannot know if you don't have an MVP first or if you haven't investigated enough on your problem and or your solution. You cannot know if there is something out there that solves a problem because you wouldn't know what to buy. Once you decide if it's time to buy or to build, whatever is your decision, you're going to end up after that step with a solution in place, be it purchased as a, an external system or platform or be it built internally in-house. And then it's time to optimize, identify bottleneck issues, optimizing the entire system, decoupling services, uh, make them standalone or make them more scalable and so on and so forth. That's the very last part. Once, you know, as you can see, there is a very organic way of you know, building all these machine learning solutions until optimization. When you start from a uh, it, you know, by looking on GitHub, okay, what's the last tool that I can use for MLOps that gonna solve my problem? You, you understand how clunky that software can be and you, without you knowing, do you understand that, for example, it's completely wrong to adopt or to just integrate that particular tool just because many others are using it? 
And, you know, there is a huge list of tools with MLOps, with AutoML, data exploration, data management, uh, hyperparameter tuning, feature store, CICD, and the list goes on and on. And of course, it's, it's, it would be even time consuming to, to choose or to go through this list and trial these things uh, one by one without knowing what you're trying for. So remember, MLOps is a good thing, but it can be dangerous and can be ugly if it's not made for your business. I hope you enjoyed the show. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next time. You've been listening to Data Science at Home Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or Podbean to get new, fresh episodes. For more, please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, or visit our website at datascienceathome.com.